chemist Paul Rees, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here. Let's just take a moment, just of quiet, just to ask that God would speak to us through his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we're not in the dark about who you are, that you've revealed yourself to us. We thank you for your word that points us to your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Please teach us now. Meet with us, each of us, Lord, of different life stories, different histories, different situations. Uh, draw near to us by your Spirit. Please instruct us and give us willing hearts that want to obey. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, what's more important, do you think, to be a, a missionary in a foreign land or to care for your aged parents? I think this has been a challenging question for lots of missionaries down through the years as they've felt the call to go elsewhere and leave the lands they grew up in. In 2013, on a remote coral island uh, off the coast of Papua New Guinea, uh, Sharon and I got to witness the presentation of the New Testament uh, to a, the, the, the people who spoke the CMAT language there. Um, this was their first ever book in their own language. Uh, Teresa and Beata had moved there, lived amongst them, learned their language, uh, come up with a written form of it, and then translated the New Testament into their own mother tongue. And we got to be there the day that the boxes were opened and the New Testaments were handed out to those who bought them. It was a time of incredible joy as people got their first ever book, and their first ever book was telling them about Jesus. Now, in June 2016, Teresa returned home to help care for her mother, who'd been diagnosed with esophageal cancer. And she agreed with her director in Papua New Guinea uh, that she would go and assess the situation, and if necessary, she would stay in the UK and work remotely. This is the great change that's happened for missionaries, isn't it, that the, the internet is now here and try and work remotely while caring for her mum. Now, her mum died in December 2016. But three weeks before her mother died, her father was diagnosed with metastatic prostate cancer. And in November 2016, he was roughly given 18 months to live, and she stayed to care with him. He actually went on to live till he was 88. He survived the, the COVID pandemic, never got COVID once, and on the 3rd of February, 2022, he actually died from lung cancer. Now, only in the last week, past week, has she finally been able to sell her father's house and receive a visa, and uh, she's bought her plane tickets to go back to Papua New Guinea. Seven years away from the mission field. What should be our priority? Missionary work? Caring for parents? Well, what does God have to say? Well, please open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, and you'll find this on page 77. Today, we're going to specifically focus on the fifth commandment found in verse 12. Well, let's take the time to read these verses. Exodus chapter 20, beginning of verse 1. Very important framing to remind us why this is really important from the very first verse of Exodus chapter 20, page 77. And God spoke all 
these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And here's our uh, fifth word, our commandment for today. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Here is a command with a promise. The command, honor your father and mother. The promise, so you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. A command and a promise that had a very particular significance uh, to Israel as they headed towards the land that God promised their patriarchal father, Abraham. But as we're going to see from the New Testament, it has ongoing application to us today. And there's three points I want us to think about this morning, and the first point is the longest. Firstly, loving others begins at home. Loving others begins at home. There is a depth of profound wisdom that you find as you study the Bible that confirms, as more I do it, that confirms to me that all Scripture is God's breathed out word. Uh, as chapter 20 begins, and God spoke all these words. It reminds us that what we have here is the maker's instructions about how to live the good life. God himself was instructing the people that he had rescued out of slavery in Egypt and how they could live a kind of a blessed life of freedom as God's covenant people so they could bring blessing to the world. And there's great significance in the ordering of these ten Words. The first four speak of loving God, and then the fifth to the tenth direct us to loving our neighbor. And so this fifth one is the first command that deals with loving others, and it reminds us that loving others begins at home. Honor your father and your mother. Everybody in this room has had parents. Not everyone has a spouse, not everyone has brothers and sisters, not everyone has children, but everyone has had a father and a mother. You couldn't be in this room apart from that. And the place that we are first called to show that we love people is how we relate to our parents. Our Heavenly Father tells us 
This is where loving begins. Honor your father and mother. And today is a good day for us to think about how we are doing with obeying this command. How are we today seeking to honor our father and mother? Well, what does it mean to honor? Uh, it is literally a weighty word. The word honor is the Hebrew word, sounds like covered, and it's the word for, for, for something heavy or weighty. Uh, it's the word that's translated in English as either honor or even glory. And it means to give due weight to the position of our parents. To honor them is to give due weight to their position as our parents. It is a call to give them recognition for their God-given place and authority that they have in our lives. And what is that place and authority? Well, this points us back to uh, God's creation purpose. So uh, keep your finger in Exodus and come back in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. You'll find this on page 3 of the church Bibles. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God created mankind in his image, in his likeness, so that we might rule over his creation. And the God who gives life blesses mankind and he commands us to be fruitful. And we've enjoyed seeing these little ones, uh, evidence of the fruitfulness, uh, that we should be fruitful, increase in number so we can fill and subdue the earth, it says. So just as God created us in his likeness, God enabled us to have children in our likeness. I mean, you turn forward to Genesis chapter 5, uh, where this theological point is being made. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness in his own image, and he named him Seth. Do you see that phrase, in the likeness, is all about family. And that's significant both as we think about relationship to God and our children and the world. See, mankind was created to have this special relationship uh, with God in his world. That amongst the animals, we have this unique place uh, where we're created in his likeness as his sons and to relate to the father's world as rulers 
over uh, his creation. So just as God created us in his likeness, God enables us to have children in our likeness, which reminds us that parents have been given this awesome task by God. What's the job of parents? Parents have been given the authority by God himself and given the special calling to raise our children to become wise rulers over his creation. We are to raise them with a true knowledge and obedient worship of God so that they can become wise rulers over his creation. What an awesome job has been given to parents. The apostles uh, take up God's creation mandate that's expressed in the fifth commandment and, and, he, and is applied to Christians. So it was read to us earlier from Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, Ruth read it to us. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children because we're very good at doing that. Don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We are called as, as parents to raise wise rulers by giving them a true knowledge of the living God. What an awesome job description is that. It's not just about changing nappies. Something much bigger, isn't it? Timothy, the ministry apprentice of the apostle Paul, was encouraged in 2 Timothy chapter 3, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Well, where had he learned and become convinced of things? Because you know those from whom you learned it. Who did he learn all this important stuff from? How from infancy? His, his mom, his grandmom, it says later. How from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. The most important thing we can do as parents is teach our children the Word of God. Because you know that those from whom you learned it, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why it's the most significant thing you can do is teach them the Bible, because the Bible is there to, to point us to Jesus and how we can be saved from our sins and, and made right with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's how we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, through the Word of God. That's why teaching the Word of God is the most crucial thing that parents can do. It is the most crucial education our kids will ever get. Yeah, teach them about maths and geography. And if you need a school to help you with that, great. But whatever you do, do not give up the importance of raising a wise ruler over God's creation by teaching them the Word of God. Now, if this has been your experience, you have known a blessed life as a child. Don't waste it. What a privilege has been yours. And so when God calls us to honor our father and mother, it is a call to give them recognition. To give them the recognition they deserve by virtue of being the parents through whom God has given us life. Now what is striking is that no other ancient code of conduct in, in, at that time, in any of the civilizations that we know of around that time, 
Do they include any mention of, of, of mothers? It's all about the father. But look at the dignity and equality that the Bible gives to mothers as well as to fathers. Both are obviously essential for life and both are essential for parenting. The differences between a man and a woman perfectly complement and bring together important aspects of what it means to be human that will help the flourishing of both boys and girls. So the book of Proverbs is full of, of teaching about listening to your parents. Let me just quote from Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When, they, when you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. So what I want to say to you today is whether you've had a Christian parent or not, if your parents have taught you wisdom about how to live your life, if they've taught you about self-control and discipline and kindness and truthfulness and, and compassion, and if they've disciplined you when you were out of control and unkind and selfish and self-seeking, then you are indeed a blessed person. If they sacrifice to show you love and support and care and encourage your gifts and abilities to flourish, then you're a very blessed person. And if that was the case, then you have every reason to honor your father and mother. But of course, we know that's not always the case. In truth, all parents fail to live up to what this awesome job that God has called us to, to do here. And actually, some parents have perpetrated neglect and abuse. Sadly, some parents can be very toxic personalities who, for some twisted reason, belittle and demean their children. Uh, we were speaking to our neighbor on Thursday, and um, although he's retired, his life has been profoundly affected by all the sorrow and difficulty he experienced as a child and the abuse and neglect he suffered. It's just profoundly caused damage in his life. And if that's been your experience, then you might have to find ways today where you honor the office of the parent, even if your parents have been unworthy of that honor. How deeply painful it is when Parents don't live up to the calling that God has given them. And if that's been your situation, I want to give you a really important promise from God's word. you want to jot this down? Psalm 27, verse 10. Psalm 27, verse 10. This is going to be a very precious promise to you if you've experienced neglect as a kid. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And so what does honoring mean? It'll mean different things, won't it, according to our different life stages. Um, too early, the kids have gone to Sunday school for the first application. Uh, for young children, it, 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 it most simply means being obedient, doesn't it? And as long as your parents are not telling you to do an evil act, you should do what they ask you. Colossians 3 verse 20. Children, obey your parents. In every I see some kids. In the I see some kids. I've got a verse for you. Colossians 3 20. You writing this down? 
Have you got it open? Children, obey your parents in everything. In everything. Oh, my goodness. This is a tough one to pray about today. For this pleases the Lord. This pleases. Do you want to please the Lord, kids? Obey your parents. Teenagers. Now, you might currently believe your parents know nothing. That they don't have the depth of cultural insight that you possess. But I want to urge you to listen carefully to their instructions in these teenage years. Because you might find, as many generations have in the past, that when you get to your early adult years, it's amazing how your parents' wisdom suddenly improved. Suddenly what they said makes sense. And honoring your parents as a teenager might simply mean that you actually treat them as a human being rather than just grunting at them and avoiding them. Young adults, uh, as you come to big decisions about work and about maybe marriage, about finance, then your parents may have some important perspectives to bring to bear. Now, it's not always the case. Bad advice is bad advice, even if it comes from your parents. But honoring them will mean bringing them into your life and decisions. Middle-aged, uh, that, that would be me. I think these verses have the most to say to us if you're middle-aged. See, our society is rightly concerned about uh, child abuse, but the scripture wants us to be aware of the problem of abuse of the elderly. There are very harsh warnings in the Mosaic law about those who attack their father or mother, or those who curse their father or mother. And when parents can no longer work and health issues cause increasing frailty and infirmity, then this is the time when honoring our parents really matters the most, doesn't it? The Apostle Paul, he passes on teaching to uh, Timothy about how to care for widows at a time when there was no state welfare provision. So in 1 Timothy chapter 5, he says this, give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. And so to honor our parents will mean practical care in their most vulnerable years of old age. Uh, I get the privilege of, of visiting older members in our church, and what I often hear uh, is their fear that they don't want to be a burden to their family. And so we will honor our Creator and our parents by seeking to assure them that it is a privilege to love and care for them. Come with me to Psalm 91. It is a wonderful psalm. Psalm 91, you find this on page 600. It's a psalm about sheltering in the Most High God. Look at verse 1. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Now look at the wonderful way this psalm ends. And hear what it means for the Lord to honor those who take refuge in him. 
Look at verse 15. He will call on me, the Lord says, the, the one who shelters in him. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Isn't that beautiful? What does it mean for God to honor those who shelter in his wings? That when they call, he will answer. When they're in trouble, he will be with them and help deliver them. That's how the Lord honors us. And I think it's a wonderful picture of what it might mean for us to honor our parents in old age when they are in trouble, when they need help. Well, secondly, and more briefly, let's consider the promise. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land your God is giving you. And my second point this morning is this. A flourishing society begins at home. This is very specifically a promise to Israel that they're on the edge of going into the, the land that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he would give to them. And by obedience to the ten words of God, Israel would get to enjoy all of God's blessings and, and enjoy all the abundance and blessing of the land. But disobedience would mean that they would come under the judgment of God. As it says in Deuteronomy chapter 27, cursed is anyone who dishonors their father or mother. And if you pursue in disobedience to God's word, the Lord's warned them, I will eventually kick you out of the land. And tragically, that was the history of Israel. After generations and generations of rejection of their covenant with God, eventually it caused the splitting of, of Israel into two parts. And then the northern kingdom got invaded and carted off by Assyria. And then finally the southern kingdom of Judah was uh, invaded. And all the key leaders were taken away into the Babylonian exile. And Jerusalem was destroyed. They lost the land because they disobeyed the command of God. And now when Paul quotes this promise in Ephesians 6 verse 3, he wrote the promise in this way, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. He kind of broadens it out. Now it's a general principle. Uh, obviously there are exceptions. There are people who honor their parents and they tragically die young. Uh, it's a general principle he's teaching here. And I would say, what is this about? Well, simply this. Parents don't tend to teach their children about how to take drugs, get drunk, drive recklessly, and pursue a life of crime. That's generally not what pe parents, it's not exclusively, but generally not what they teach their kids. And as we've already thought, as children honor their parents by listening to their wise advice, they are more likely to do well and enjoy a longer life. A flourishing life comes from obeying the wise instructions of parents. And as more children uh, are trained in wisdom and launched out into a city and a nation, then you will get a flourishing society. A flourishing society begins at home. Um, just think about the most you know, the really important lesson about obedience and submission. Jen Wilkins, in her little book, she writes that the home is the laboratory where children learn submission to authority. Home is the laboratory where children learn 
submission to authority. And if there's no authority or discipline in the home when children are growing up, we're not helping them to be ready for a world which functions best when people voluntarily submit themselves to those who are rightfully in authority over them. And you can see the truth of this in so many ways. Many surveys have shown this, but 76% of young men in prison in the UK had absent fathers. And children who've grown up in intact families where their biological father and mother raised them, they are less likely to be excluded from school, and they do better at school. They're less likely to be involved in the criminal justice system. They have better employment outcomes than children from families where relationship breakup is the norm. Honoring parents is a vital way that children grow up learning to, to know how to honor their neighbors and their community leaders, their teachers, the police, local and government, national government leaders, and church elders. Obedience to the fifth commandment is a way actually into a healthy, functioning society that will prosper as this very promise suggests. Because what is a city? In essence, a city is a collection of households. It's a collection of families. A family unit is the bedrock of society. It is the fundamental unit that shapes all other relationships for good and for ill. So beware when you see the state trying to undermine the place of the family. In fact, the state should be doing all that it can to strengthen families Investing resources to support and encourage good parenting. Uh, I wonder if there are members in our church with a passion for families and parenting that would be willing to think about offering seminars and courses that we could use to offer to parents in our community that might help teach some vital biblical principles that would help. I'll leave that thought with you. For societies will not flourish if families are not flourishing. Scotland will not flourish if families are not flourishing. That's what the fifth commandment teaches us. And thirdly, as I close, there's hope for failures in the obedient Savior. When it comes to all these commandments, the more we meditate on them, well, they bring conviction of sin. You know, even I was thinking about this text this week, I thought about something that I had done in the past week where I hadn't rightly honored my father. It was not a big thing. I don't think he thought much about it. But I felt I had to go and speak to him about it. These commandments bring conviction of sin. For we have not loved our neighbor as we have loved ourselves. None of us have fully honored our parents. And no doubt we've shown irritation and frustration towards them rather than love and respect. And if that is you, and my guess is it's most of us, I've got great news for you. Here's a trustworthy saying deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is the, the reason Christ came. There's only one person who completely obeyed and fulfilled the law of God. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got two stories, one at the beginning and one at the end of his life. Uh, Joseph and Mary uh, took a 12-year-old Jesus down to Jerusalem, and they kind of lost track of him. And uh, after three days of searching for him, they found him 
in the temple. And they said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? And your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And, he, and Jesus said, why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? There he was listening to the teachers of his day in the temple. And they were amazed at his understanding and learning. But then Jesus goes with them to Nazareth. He says in verse 51, Then he went down to Nazareth, Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. The perfect son of God was obedient to sinful parents because that was what the law of God required. He honored his, imper- his parents by being obedient to them. And he honored his mother, even in the final hours of his life on the cross, by ensuring her care. Uh, there he is on the cross, and he speaks to his mother and says, you know, here is your son, and to, to John, and here is your mother. He hands over the care of his mother to, to his uh, prized disciple and, and spiritual brother, John. Jesus is the one who never sinned, and he came to save sinners by dying in our place on the cross so that the worst of sinners can be saved and forgiven for all their sins. And as we come to Jesus and ask for his forgiveness, as we come to God and repent of our sins and and claim the Lord Jesus' forgiveness as ours, God pours his Holy Spirit into us and gives us power and strength so that we can be those who, by his grace, even when it's very challenging, can honor our father and mother. And so I believe that Teresa was as much loving and serving God and doing the work of the gospel when she came home to care for her father and mother as she was when she was in PNG, solely focused on Bible translation. Before his um, cancer diagnosis, Teresa's dad didn't see the need of being a Christian. He'd been a loving, devoted husband and father. He worked hard. He'd done well. He just didn't see any need for God at all. And then when her mother died, her father said he just didn't want to wake up again. Uh, But with Teresa's presence and love and care, he learned to live again. And on many a day, actually said, I've had a good day today. He started going to church with Teresa. And during lockdown, he started listening online to the Mark series we preached through at Charlotte Chapel. And by the end, he had come to his own personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And his favorite hymn became Amazing Grace. Isn't that wonderful? Honor your father and mother. I want to invite the band up and I want to give you a moment of silence and reflection. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? What is he prompting you to do in response to his word? In what ways could you honor your father and mother today? Let's have a moment of silence and reflection before we sing. Well, in his living and his suffering, never trace nor stain of sin. See the true and better Adam came 
to save the hellbound man. Let's stand and sing. Come behold.